Hey guys. So, what have we been talking about the last several weeks? Sticky faith. Sticky faith. Bang, you got it. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. What are some of the things that we've been talking about sticky faith? That, that fr- what, what about them? The friends? The, the right friends kind of determine the path that we go on sometimes? Kind of like how your friends could influence you in a bad way. Okay. What were some of the other weeks about? Our identity. Our identity, who we are in Christ? Okay. Right? You guys are listening. I like that. I like that. Listening and remembering. That's even more impressive. Um, Tonight, what we're going to be talking about is how you will respond to the party scene in college. Most of you are going to grow up, go to college, and in our culture, going away to college has kind of become synonymous with being able to uh, get out from under mom and dad's wing, Uh, being able to get out from under their rules and do what you want to do now, and be free to um, experiment with alcohol and drugs and sex. And that's what, I mean, beyond education, that's kind of what college has become in our culture now. Uh, unfortunately, I've got a list of uh, some things that uh, people have, who have gone to college have to say about this. Having a moral to-do list, or perhaps more accurately, a not-to-do list, doesn't cut it when you get to college. Who you hang out with college makes a huge difference. Many students find that if they're best friends party, they do also. If you end up with friends who don't party at all or don't party as much, you will be less likely to party. Many college freshmen party primarily because they want to make friends. If you're in, <clears throat> if you're in a new college, a new college student feeling lonely, you're more likely to look to parties as a way to meet people and make friends. Once students start to party, they feel locked into partying. Your choices the first week or two tend to put you on a path that's pretty hard to step away from. It's not if you'll have the opportunity to party and have sex and drink alcohol, but when, when you get to college. And I thought it would be interesting to ask you guys a question to get started with here. If you have ever been asked to take a drink or have been invited to a party where you knew there was going to be alcohol present, okay? I'm not saying that you took the drink or that you went to the party. I'm saying if you've ever been asked to take a drink or go to a party where you knew there would be alcohol, would you stand up? Okay, quite a few of you, quite a few of you. You can go ahead and sit down. Uh, When you get to college, it's going to get even worse. It would be like almost all of you would, would be in that situation where you, where you have been asked, pressured, or at least offered that opportunity. 
um, it will, it, it's only going to step up when you get there. Uh, Van, can you play that first video for me, please? Freshman year is, is tough. I mean, you, you, you leave home and, you know, you get those kids that want to go hog wild. Freshman year, I met a lot of people who had never drank before, and they definitely didn't know their limit, and they would be puking, and it was just really sad and embarrassing for them, and it was just really unattractive because... Um, they couldn't control themselves at all. I feel like as a college student, when I was coming in, the best way to, to describe it would be a car without brakes, going faster and faster and faster, but no inkling of slowing down. And it's just not in your head. It's just not, not the way the thought process goes down. And um, unfortunately, it's a thought process that, that gets people killed. What was loaded up that evening, there was a lot of hard alcohol, and there were a lot of young guys who weren't necessarily accustomed to drinking a lot of hard alcohol in a, a finite period of time. So it was a perfect storm for a problem. And the problem was not just a problem, it was a tragedy. We are just put in a situation where people get out of their tests and it's like time to party. and. I mean, it's fun, and it, people say it's the only time you can do this, and you're only young once, or whatever, and you're like, okay, great, and then, <laughs> I mean, that's how people get into the dangerous situations that they do. Going into college, you have this idea that you're invincible, and like, you have this new freedom, you're independent, like, you don't have a curfew, you don't have parents asking what you're doing all the time, and I feel like we take that for granted and think we're invincible, and that... You know, drinking is fun, it's not going to get hurt anyone, um, and then it does, and that's when I kind of realized that, you know, this is real, it's scary, and it's not just Carson, it's other people. Okay, there's a, uh, a testimony of... Um several college students, what, it, what it's like. And, and, and the reason we're, this is part of what we're going through in Sticky Faith is because uh, we're preparing you for, for what is to come, uh, preparing you to be uh, um, ready beforehand for what you're going to face. It's, it's almost inevitable when, uh, when you go away and, and, and get out into this culture that we have. Uh, let me give you a, a few statistics about alcohol here. By the age of 14, 41% of kids will have had at least one drink. The average American boy will take his first sip of alcohol at the age of 11. The average American girl at 13. The average teen begins drinking regularly just before turning 16. Drinking before 16 triples a person's chance of becoming an addict. Alcohol is the number one drug problem in America. One third of all suicides, half of all murders, half of all domestic violence, and a quarter of all emergency hospital admissions are alcohol related. Alcohol is involved in 72% of rape, rape cases. 
25 to 40 percent of all beds in hospitals in the United States are used to treat conditions related to excessive drinking. Approximately 500,000 children between the ages of 9 and 12 are drink dependent. Does that blow your mind? Half a million kids in our country between 9 and 12, younger than you guys, are drink dependent now. 11,000 underage young people try alcohol for the first time every day. Drunk drivers are responsible for 50% of all people killed on the road. You think alcohol is a problem in our country? It really is. It's, it's unbelievable. And, it, and it's, it's almost one of those accepted things that we kind of... You don't hear about these kind of things in the news media. What you see is the beer commercials at, uh, during, during uh, sports games, right? And that's always a bunch of people hanging out and having a good time, and, and it makes it look really, really attractive. But this is what's behind. This is what the end of it looks like. <clears throat> Let's look at what the Bible has to say about uh, drinking and drunkenness. Uh, in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1, it says, Wine is a mocker, strong drink a brawler, and whoever is intoxicated by it is not wise. Proverbs twenty-three twenty-nine. Who has woe, who has sorrow, who has contentions, who has complaining, who has wounds without cause, who has redness of eyes, those who linger long over wine, those who go to taste mixed wine. Do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. At the last it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things, and your mind will utter perverse, th perverse things. <clears throat> you will be like one who lies down in the middle of the sea, or like one who lies down on the top of a mast. They struck me, but I did not become, become ill. They beat me, but I did not know it. When shall I awake? I will seek another drink. Kind of a sad commentary on, on, uh, on a drunk. Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Romans 13.13 13. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regards to its lusts. Galatians 5.19 Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, which I forewarn you, just as I forewarned you before, that those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. 
1 Corinthians 6, 9. Or do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers shall inherit the kingdom of God. Drunkenness is in that list. So what do these verses say about the person who makes a practice of getting drunk? It's bad, yeah. What this last one say about them? So they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God, right? In other words, there it's a continued drunkenness is is a is an evidence of a life that has not been changed by the power of Jesus Christ. In fact, in verse eleven it says Paul goes on to say, "And such were some of you." But you were washed, you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our, the Lord our God. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. So what's God's stand on drunkenness? And that list of sin that he hates. It's, uh, it's a practice of, of, of pagans, of unbelievers. But here's the question that, uh, that, that we've got to deal with as Christians. As Christians, can I drink alcohol if I don't get drunk? Drunkenness is definitely outside God's pleasure in the Bible. It's prohibited. But the Bible never prohibits drinking alcohol. Getting drunk, yes. Drinking it, no. After all, Jesus turned water into wine, right? Paul told Timothy to drink a little wine for his stomach's sake. I'm going to give you some questions to ask yourself uh, to determine if you should drink at all. But, but first, we're going to watch one more video. I know that sometimes it seems like everyone drinks alcohol, in movies, on TV, at parties, even at school. And there are a lot of different reasons people drink. <clears throat> I'm going to introduce you to four young people, Robert, Dana, Megan, and Ilton, who will tell you the truth about how alcohol has affected their lives. One summer night after drinking a few beers, Robert headed to a party in his dad's car. He says he had just enough beer to feel good. It was one of those nights, you know, when you're on top of the world, nothing can happen to you, you don't care. Uh, you know, I felt I was bulletproof. I felt I was uh, unstoppable. I certainly wish that I hadn't have done it, but I need to accept that. I need to move on. I need to feel normal. 
you're watching everybody else drink and you're just trying so hard not to drink. One day when I'm older and I'm successful and I have all the things that I feel as though I need and want, I just know that I look back and say, well, I stood my ground and I respected myself. I would tell the kids, you just gotta have that strength and just not to do what everybody else is doing just because everybody else is doing it. Alcohol was a way that I used to impress people. It changed progressively. I, you know, wanted to drink more. And I didn't exactly know why. Then one night, something horrible happened. Megan got drunk at a party, and a guy she'd never met before offered to help. Megan's parents knew something had happened. They wouldn't let it go. They confronted her. Megan was in so much pain that she finally told them everything and admitted that she needed help. The next day, I was sent to a counselor. Basically, I was an alcoholic, is what she said. I don't drink alcohol and I don't need it because I feel like it's a magnet. You know, either you get into a fight, you get stabbed, shot, or arrested, anything can happen. You end up doing things that you don't like doing or you end up regretting something that you that can affect your whole life. I hope you'll think about what they've had to say. And be honest with yourself. Ask yourself a couple questions. Am I risking hurting somebody I love? Am I risking hurting myself? There's a couple of good questions, not the questions I'm going to ask you, but a couple of good questions to ask yourself. Um, like I said, this is a question that you need to, that you're going to have to deal with at some, some point in time because alcohol is pervasive in our society. So as a Christian, should I drink at all? This is a question that I answered as a, as a young child. Um, growing up, my mom and dad didn't drink. There wasn't any alcohol in the house. But uh, my dad's side of the family did drink. Um, and, and we'd go to, uh, to family gatherings, you know, holidays, stuff like that, with that side of the family. And um, all my uncles would be, be drinking. And as the day progressed, they'd become foolish, and some of them become obnoxious. And I'm like, man, this is just stupid, you know? The adults are acting like the kids. And then they'd be talking about, uh, how, oh, man, I'm going to have a headache in the morning, and that kind of thing. I'm thinking, that's even more stupid. Uh, but right, I, I, think, I think that's what it did it for me. It's like... I really don't want to have anything to do with this. It's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of disgusting to, to me to see adults act in ways that are less mature than I was at a, as a 10-year-old, you know. Um, now, I'm 51 years old. I've never tasted alcohol. I, I made that decision when I was young and, and, and stuck with it. But do I condemn Christians who, who, who go out and have a glass of wine when they, when they go out with, you know, to, to eat a meal? No, I can't because the Bible doesn't prohibit it. It's a question that we have to ask. But I want to give you a few questions to ask yourself as you determine what you're going to do with this. And, and obviously, 
Like we've said before, drunkenness is not even an option as a Christian. But is drinking. Um, like I said, the, uh, in the Bible, Jesus turned water into wine. Paul talks, uh, told Timothy to drink some wine for his stomach's sake. Here's the first question. Is the wine that the Bible speaks about the same as the wine that we have today? In the Jewish culture, they would take the wine and mix it one part wine with three to 20 parts water. It was diluted down. Um, they did that for several reasons. One was to uh, make sure that people didn't get drunk. Drunkenness in the Old Testament, it, it, was, it was a taboo. You weren't supposed to. God, God says, do not get drunk, you know. Um, so diluting it down took away the chances of, of drunkenness. One of the main reasons they mixed their wine, water with, wine with the water was because uh, back then they didn't have water plants. I mean, we take for granted. We go up and turn on the faucet and it's clean water. Uh, you go to Mexico or to other countries where they don't have water sanitation, then you get sick when you drink the water because there's stuff in the water, uh, microorganisms, bacteria that make you sick. And they didn't have that kind of stuff back then. So they would pour, they would mix at least three parts water to one part wine, and they would let this sit for a couple of days. And the alcohol in the wine would kill the bacteria and the microorganisms, and it would make it safe to drink. It was, it was one of their ways to purify water. It, it also gave the benefit of, uh, of giving a little flavor to the water. But for, but for the Jew to drink unmixed wine, to, to drink straight wine, was something that the pagans did. And, and the pagans did this. It, uh, almost all of the, the, the pagan rituals involved, involved drunkenness. So um, is the wine of the, of, of, of the Bible that they drank the same as the wine we have? No. Not at all. Second question to ask yourself, is it necessary to drink? Not anymore. We don't have this water for purification. We, we just go turn on the tap, nice clean water. Um, we have all kinds of options when it comes to, to drinking stuff, right? We got lemonade, we got tea, we got every flavor pop that you could possibly imagine. A&W root beer happens to be my favorite. Uh, but, but you guys all got your own, your, your own favorite. Um, some of you don't, don't like pop. You got, you got a Gatorade. You got any millions of things to drink. Milk, all kinds of stuff. Is it necessary? Not at all. Is alcohol habit forming? Definitely. 38 million people in the United States are alcoholics, drink-dependent. 38 million, that's, that's over one in 10. That just blows my mind. A tenth of our country are alcoholics. And if you're an alcoholic, somehow 
it does something to your body that you pass that on to your children, the propensity to be an alcoholic. So um, is it habit forming? Quite. Is it potentially destructive? We talked about all those statistics. A third of all suicides, half of all murders, half of all domestic violence, a quarter of all emergency hospital admissions are due to alcohol. 72% um, of rape, alcohol-related. Alcohol is extremely destructive. Is it possible that if I, if I drink alcohol, just drink it but, but never get drunk, is it possible that by doing so I could cause my Christian brother to stumble? It's out there as a possibility, especially if your Christian brother was saved out of alcoholism. I think one of the more important questions to ask is, Could it one day make my children stumble? Because if, <clears throat> let's say you just decide that, you know, yeah, I'm going to drink alcohol, but, you know, I'm not going to get drunk. I'll have an occasional beer, a glass of wine, that kind of thing. You've got this in your fridge, you've got it at home, and your kids see this. And because of that, they, they become kind of insensitized to it. It's just, just kind of part of growing up. There's beer in the fridge. Dad drinks, mom drinks, whatever. Um, here's what happens in the mind of you guys, okay? Mom and dad drink. I'm old enough now. You guys are... All getting big for your britches, right? <clears throat> yeah. So you open it up to make your kids comfortable with it, and then before they're even of age, they feel like, I can handle this. And then you open them up to all this stuff. Possible addiction, drunk driving, Your daughter's getting drunk and being taken advantage of. Um, could it make your kids stumble? Yes. Can it harm my testimony? What if I drink and never got drunk in my life, but uh, <clears throat> somebody else sees me coming out of the outpost with, with alcohol? Could that harm my testimony? Quite possibly, yes. Here's the big one to think about. Does the culture of alcohol match who I am in Christ? Does the party scene, does drunkenness, does all this added to suicides, murder, violence, rape, where this stuff leads, death on the road, 
Any of that match who I am in Christ? That list of identity that we talked about first or second week? Not even close. So is it the same? No. Is it necessary? No. Is it habit-forming? Yes. Is it potentially destructive? Yes. Is it a, could it be offensive to other Christians, or, or could it cause other people to stumble? Maybe your children to stumble in the future? Yes. Can it harm my testimony? Yes. Does this culture of alcohol match who I am in Christ? No. Logically speaking, and that's what I'm presenting to you, a logical argument here tonight. Logically speaking, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I don't, I don't see how you should be anywhere near it. Just because of its destructiveness. Does the Bible leave that open, that possibility open to you? Yes, it does. But we get back to that, that first statement from a college student. Having a moral to-do list or not-to-do list does not cut it when you get to college. You're going to need some convictions, things that you believe in, down, deep down in the bottom of your heart. So that when somebody comes up and does ask you to drink, offer you a drink, or ask you to go to a party where you know good stuff is not going to be happening, that you're going to have that conviction to say, nope, not going to do it, no matter what it costs you, because of who you are in Christ. So I hope you'll take that with you, take that into account. Into account. Um, some of those questions may be new to you or not so new, but <clears throat> I just ask that you would give it serious consideration. Is who I am in Christ matching up to these decisions that I'm, that I'm going to make? Father, we just uh, we thank you where your word is clear on the on, on the on the subject of drunkenness, Lord. We thank you that uh, you have saved us so that we don't have to be involved in that kind of lifestyle, lifestyle that is destructive, Lord, a lifestyle where. Um, just as your word says, the enemy, our, it's our enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so you and your wisdom are, are steering us away from the enemy, enemy's ways. I pray that you would be uh, speaking to these young people, Lord, and that you would help them to make some right decisions, decisions that become convictions that this is what I believe and this is where I will stand because of who I am and who my God is. We just give you praise for what you're doing even here tonight in Jesus' name. Amen.